privilege to be here. And on behalf of Carried Off Baptist, I would like to bring their greetings to you here at Strandtown Baptist Church. A few weeks ago, I met and had a conversation with Lee, and he said, could you do a Sunday? Could you cover for me in November? And it turned out the date that he gave me, which was today, was really the only Sunday this month that I could have actually done it. So I took that as, as God's will, that for some reason or whatever, I'm meant to be here today to speak to you guys. And you've already heard the passage that's been read And Colossians is a wonderful book, and it has so many truths. And we just hope that today there will be something, something in these verses that God will speak into our hearts. It might not be the same thing that each of us walk out of here today in our heart, but we just hope and pray that God will minister to each and every one of us from these verses But I want to ask you a question. Do you have a passion? Would you say there is something in your life that you love to do? Something in your life that devotes a lot of your time, your effort, and your money. And you just get such a thrill and such a delight from doing it. A wee while ago, I was in this man's house. And he was this wee old man. He was in his 80s. And he said... Come into my garage and see. Now, that can mean anything. But he led me into this garage. And I went in and he turned the light on. And he had these wooden boards round all the walls of the garage. And on these wooden boards was patches from different police forces all around the world. And he was saying, look, look what I've got. Look at my collection. These are patches from all around the world. And he did, he was pointing out some really random ones, like the Jamaican Police Department, Trinidad and Tobago, Sri Lanka, New Zealand. Hundreds, hundreds of these things. And this little man had spent many years of his life devoted to collecting these patches. Now, he was looking at me, sort of expecting a bit of a response. And I have to admit, it didn't really float my boat. (laughs) I've never really been a patch kind of guy. But I was in no doubt of the passion this man had about his hobby, about being an enthusiast for whatever reason. And maybe there's probably a lot of us here today have a passion about something, or if not, we definitely know people. You know, you think of sport, you think of football fans and rugby fans. Some of those guys are so passionate about the team that they follow. Golfers, that's a, they're a breed unto themselves. <laughs> Golfers come together and they talk of all things golf. And they love to be together. They love to share their passion with everyone else. There is people who collect things. And they will be so passionate about these collections. Because they delight in what it is that stirs their heart. There's something about this passion that they have that stirs something inside them. That it just wants to come out. And in these verses here today, and 
in all of the book of Colossians, what Paul is doing is wanting people to be passionate about what they believe. And this passage today, he's encouraging the church to be passionate about the gospel. Not just to have it something that they believe. Not just about something that they have a security in. But for it to be a passion. For it to be a delight that they have. And Paul is urging the church to delight in living for Christ. And earlier on in chapter 1, we see that Paul has already reminded them of what God has done. Of who he is of the truth that he has given us about this God who is unmovable, who will never let us down, on whom we can depend. He then goes on to talk about Jesus and how Jesus is enough. This was a church that was living in a society that was being confronted with the offer that there's something more out there, that there's something better out there. If only they would believe this. If only they would try this. They could experience more and have more fulfillment. But Paul reminds them, Jesus is enough. Who he is, what he has done, in who they are now, there's nothing more. And he challenges the church here, from verse 24 on, to respond to what he has just said to them. He doesn't tell them off. That's one interesting thing that you see here. It's not a case of them getting up in front of them or writing to them and wagging the finger and saying, you guys need to get your act together. You just need to sort it out. You just need to live it out. He doesn't do that. How Paul presents the challenge to the church was by looking at himself. What we have here in these verses is a testimony of Paul. Is of Paul sharing his experience Of Paul using himself as an example of how they need to be. Of how they need to live out the truth of the gospel that they know. And there's three things I want us to look at today. And Paul talks about them in verses 24 to 29. And then he almost goes over the same three things again in chapter 2 verses 1 to 5. And he just fleshes them out a little bit more for them the second time round. And the first thing I want us to think about is Paul talks about the delight in persevering with the power of Christ. The delight in persevering with the power of Christ. In verse 24, he says straight away that I rejoice in what I'm suffering. Paul is rejoicing in suffering. Now, suffering is a reality for anyone who has ever tried to live and spread the gospel message. Back in the time of Paul, for those that lived for Christ, there was suffering. For those today who try to live for Christ, there will be suffering. Because the gospel message, even though it's beautiful, for many people in our society, it causes offense. It's not a message that nowadays we find people receive with grateful arms. More often than not, 
It's something that's resisted. It's something that seems to offend people more than fill their heart with joy. But Paul says his purpose for suffering was to fill up what is still lacking in Christ's afflictions. Now, that can seem like a really confusing term because he talks about about lacking in Christ's afflictions. So is Paul trying to say here that what Christ suffered is lacking, that there's something missing here? Well, absolutely not. In chapter 1, he's already made it clear that there's nothing missing from the work of Christ. Through his death, his resurrection, his ascension, he makes it clear that Jesus is enough, that this work of salvation is enough. In verse 22 of chapter 1, he talks about how we are reconciled, how we are blameless, how we are free from accusation. The debt that we owe that separates us from God has been paid. We are now brought from death to life, brought in to the kingdom of God. There's nothing missing. There's nothing about Christ that falls short. But what Paul is saying here, that he is sharing in the suffering of Christ as the suffering servant. And he is sharing his delight in this suffering for Christ. When Christ suffered, he suffered for salvation. For that perfect work that could bring us from being lost in our sin and separated from God into a relationship with God as God's people. That is what Christ did. Paul's suffering is for the message that he has to share. The work of Christ is an unfinished work. When Christ went to heaven, he gave a commission to the church to tell other people, to pass on what they knew, to pass on the beauty of this message. Paul's suffering was for the gospel. He preached it diligently. He preached it everywhere. And he suffered a lot for it. But he had something to delight in. He believed that what he had to share was something worth suffering for. Because both the suffering for salvation that Christ suffered and the suffering of Paul for the gospel, both of them are essential for people to have transformed lives. For people to know the gospel, for there to be fruit in this gospel message and people to grow in their faith, they have to know the salvation of Christ, but they also have to be told and they have to know the message that comes from it. Paul's seen this suffering for the gospel as a privilege to continue on the ministry that Christ called him to do, to be part of building the kingdom. And he talks about for the sake of his body, which is the church. As a church, we're told that we're the body of Christ. We're called to share this message. But as the body of Christ, we will be called to take on the suffering of Christ. Paul was sharing 
how he was suffering for the gospel of Christ. As God's people, as the church, he was speaking this to the church and reminding them that the reality is that to live this message, to share this message, there will be suffering. Because in verse 25, he points out that serving God is a commission. He says, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me. He was living in God's will as a steward of God's word to do what? To present the gospel message. God had called Paul to present the truth of the gospel to others. And he's reminding them as the church that that is essentially the purpose of what God has given them. They come together. They work as part of something greater to bring the gospel, to bring the love of Christ, to present Jesus to the people that they live with, to those that they know, to others outside the church. They were together to be part of something greater. In 2012, London hosted the Olympics. Now, for several years before it, we were told this is going to be the best Olympics ever. While it was on, we were being told this is the greatest Olympics ever. After it was over, we were told, look, that was the greatest Olympics ever. Now, it was good. It may have been the greatest Olympics ever. But they put down the success to the London Olympics to one key element. The Olympic volunteers. There were several thousand people answered the call to come and help the London Olympics be this amazing event. And those people came from all around the world, taking some of them several months off work to be there at their own expense, journeying however far they had to go to volunteer to be part of this amazing event. And there's no doubt about it, it was an amazing spectacle. And what made it so amazing is because there were so many people came together to be part of something that was greater than themselves. And when they look back at the event, the people who put it together will say that was the key element. That is what made it work. It was made to work because people came together with a passion and devoted themselves to something beyond themselves. They made a huge sacrifice to make it work. And Paul here in verse 29 and in 2 verse 1 talks to them about this sacrifice. Because he uses, depending on the version you're using, it's a word to struggle or struggling or contend or contending. But this is one of those words that can mean many, many things. It can mean to contend, to toil, to struggle, to strive, to fight, to be in conflict. It has lots and lots of meanings. But in both verse 29 and in 2.1, Paul is reminding them of a simple truth. He says, to make a sacrifice for God means that there will be a battle to be fought. There's a spiritual battle. Where the things of God 
are presented, where people come to present Jesus and the gospel message, the enemy will resist. The enemy will fight. The enemy will resist us. I'm sure there's many of us here today can testify to that. There were we have tried to live for Christ, to share Christ. We have found opposition. We have found resistance. We have found it hard. But Paul reminds them of something. He said that when he did this, he didn't do it alone. Sometimes he was totally out of his depth. Sometimes the opposition against him was way greater than anything he could stand up against himself. But he did it, in verse 29, with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. In the situation he was in, in the task that he had, God equipped him in the way that he needed it, by his Holy Spirit. And God equips the church today for the task that we are given by his Holy Spirit working in us and through us. The God of this gospel message that we live, that we trust in, that we try to share, works his purpose in us, works his purpose through us. Not so that we can do anything in our strength, and our knowledge and our power, but through we can do it through the knowledge and strength and power of the one who strengthens us. It's the Spirit of God, Christ Jesus. And that is the delight that Paul had in persevering in the power of Christ. And secondly, as we live in this commission, as Paul tried to live up to the task that God had given him, he would live and know the delight in proclaiming the mystery of Christ. The delight in proclaiming the mystery of Christ. Verse 26 talks about the mystery. Through the generations, people have been trying to piece little bits together about God's salvation plan. Who God was. Who God's son was and who he would be and what he would be like and what he would actually do. And what work has Jesus actually done to reconcile man to God? Well, it tells us that it was revealed to the Lord's people. It was revealed to the saints. This message, this piece of the puzzle that would make everything else fit was now revealed to those who trusted and believed in the gospel message. It was an unfolding mystery. It had been for hundreds of years. And it was still being unfolded. When Paul wrote this to the church at Colossae, they had basically parts of the gospel, parts of what Paul had written. But they had still so many gaps. They had still so many questions. And the reality is, even as we look at what is the complete word of God nowadays, we still have many questions. We still have many things we're working out. It is a mystery. There is mystery associated with the gospel of Christ. How could he do this? Why did he do this? What actually happens in the process of this? 
We know enough to believe. And we're always desiring more. And this mystery of Christ comes firstly to God's people. For those who believe. And it comes to satisfy the desire they have to know more. Because to know God, to understand the gospel in any shape or form, and understand who Jesus is and what he has done for us, makes us hungry to know and to want more. And we think again about our enthusiasts. Everyone who has a passion, everyone who has something that they devote themselves to, they never ever come to the point where they go, that's enough now. The collector never ever comes to the point where they think, I've collected enough, I'm going to stop now. Now their friends and family might tell them, you need to stop now. But they won't. The golfer never gets to the point in his game where he goes, my swing, sorted. Don't need to practice anymore. Got it. I'll just leave the clubs in the bag now. Got there. The football supporter will never stop thinking, you know, I have all the tactics sorted out. I know everything I need to know about that team. They're always wanting to know more because it's a hunger that is in them fueled by this desire and passion that they have that what they're in search of is something worth knowing or a skill worth having or an item worth possessing. And that is what Paul is presenting here to the church. He's saying the delight that they have in proclaiming this mystery is something that stirs up within them. And it's described here in verse 27 as the knowledge of the glorious riches. And in chapter 2, verse 2, it's described as the full riches. What they have a passion for, what they're desiring, is something that's complete. Something that needs nothing from outside to help make it right. It's not something that's lacking in any way. If they desire this, if they hunger for this, they will see that it is something complete. So what is it? If we were to try and boil this message down or this this point that Paul is trying to make, what is he saying? Well, he sums it up in verse 27. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the heart of the gospel message. Christ in you. When we come to faith in Christ, when we believe he is who he said he was, when we trust that he has done what he said he has done, we have Christ in us. Our faith isn't something that we practice. It isn't a set of laws or rules. It isn't a religion that we follow or a set of rules. It's faith in a person. To be able to acknowledge that Christ is in us is something real because it's based on someone real. We have a living, saving Christ 
dwelling in us. And that is the hope that we have. That is how Paul is able to continue on in the midst of the struggles, in the midst of the battle. That is why he is delighting, even though he probably has so many questions. Paul was a real academic guy, a real thinker. And he probably wrestled with so much of that stuff. But he knew enough to delight in the mystery of Christ. Because the bit he did know was Christ in him. And that's what unites us together as the church of Christ. It says about being encouraging one another in the love of Christ. Well, what it is that helps us encourage each other, what it is that helps us love one another, is the love of Christ in us. Outside of this setting, we probably wouldn't be together. We probably wouldn't have the affection for one another. In fact, we'd probably, a lot of us, not even like each other. But it's what Christ does in us that brings us together, that we rejoice together, that we delight together in what we share together. That is Christ. We have a common bond. We have a common passion. And we have a common commission to share this with others. When you bring your enthusiasts together, they get passionate together. May the 4th worldwide has now become Star Wars Day. And you get people who will travel from all around the world to gather together to get passionate about Star Wars. And these people will come together and they will get really, really, really excited about a series of movies. You put a group of football fans or rugby fans together and they become crazy, excited, coming together, getting excited about the one thing that joins them together. And they will feed off each other's knowledge. They will share facts that they have found out. Did you know this about? Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, that's great to know. That's really exciting to know. They will share that. The experiences that they've had in their journey and being passionate about this will be used to build one another up. That's what God's people do when we come together. Because with that passion that's stirred up within us comes the responsibility. We have something worth rejoicing in. We have a delight of being in Christ. But verse 27, Paul reminds them that we are chosen to make known among the Gentiles. This passion we have, this delight that's in us, we're called to share it with others. To tell them what it's all about. I used to spend a lot of time skiing. I used to go away maybe two or three months of the winter and teach people to ski. It was fantastic. And I would have said it was my passion. And one thing I would do, no matter when I met someone, I said, have you ever been skiing? Oh, you need to try skiing. And I would tell anyone who would listen how great it was to go skiing and how they really needed to try this for themselves. In fact, quite often I would tell people who weren't even willing to listen, 
of how great it was to go skiing and how they really should listen. Because for me, it was really important. It was something special. And I just had to tell other people and encourage them to do it for themselves. And in chapter 2, verse 3, Paul reminds the believers that what they have is all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. They have the answer. They have this thing that everybody else needs. The world that we live in, everybody is seeking something. Everybody is trying to find their treasure, their fulfillment, their their purpose. And for some, it's in the things that they own. They just want to have lots of stuff. They really enjoy the stuff. In others, it's success in their career. Or maybe having a good family. Or maybe finding the right person, wanting to, to marry the right find the right husband or the right wife and, and just have that, that bliss to have that treasure which we all desire what Paul's saying here is the treasure that everybody's looking for is the treasure of Christ Jesus those who believe in him they have all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge But he also says to them, but it's hidden in us. Yes, we might have the answers. We have this relationship with Christ. A relationship that for everyone will transform their life. But it's hidden in us. We understand it on whatever level we understand it. We understand it by God's Holy Spirit revealing it to us. By helping us to understand this mystery of Christ. So not only are we told here to proclaim it and to tell others. There's no point in just telling them. The Christ in us, the passion that we have in our heart. Needs to give us a heart for other people. That we share the message of the gospel. But that we also pray for them. And bring these people before God in prayer. So that the Holy Spirit that revealed this truth to us will also reveal it to them. Because he is the only one that can give understanding. We could present the gospel in a million fantastic ways with little pictures and illustrations. But until God's Spirit moves in someone's heart, their lives will never be changed. They will never be able to say that they are in Christ. And this is the delight there is in proclaiming the mystery of Christ. Because thirdly, where it all comes together, the purpose of presenting it and the purpose of struggling and suffering for it is the delight in presenting people mature in Christ. Mature in Christ. What does it mean and how do we do that? Well, it says to proclaim, admonishing, and teaching. We need to present the truth. The truth of God's word, the truth of this gospel message is essential. Because without this truth, we don't know where we're going wrong. We don't know what we're getting right. We don't know what we're getting wrong. 
and to admonish, to correct what's wrong in people, they need to know the truth. Now, what people get wrong can be two things. It can be what they believe. Sometimes what people believe, what we believe, can be wrong and needs to be corrected through the truth of God's word. But also how people live it out. Some of the behaviours which we have in our lives are things that need to be corrected. There's attitudes that we have, things that we do we know are wrong, and they need to be changed through the truth of God's word. This is why we come here. This is why we sit under God's word. So that it can teach us. So that it can correct us. It's not a set of rules to be followed. But the knowledge that we know, the truth that we know, leads us to a personal encounter with Jesus. That's where we're aiming. Many of us have been there. Many of us could say that we know Christ We are in him. There's maybe some here today who can say that we don't know Christ. We have never had that personal encounter. We know little bits, but in regard to understanding it and it making sense and changing us, we're not there yet. And I would encourage you, press on. Ask questions. Keep seeking the answer in God's word. I want you to think of your friends and try and think back to the time that you actually met them. Now some of you might have great stories of how you met someone in this real random encounter somewhere and it was just like by total chance or whatever. But for the most part, the friends that we have are people that we've met through people that we already know. For most of our friendships, we can trace them back to a particular time where we were introduced to that person. There was a time when someone said, look, here's my friend, this is such and body. And they introduced us. For us to present others mature in Christ, we need to introduce them to the person of Christ It can be those we live with, those we work with, those we study with, go to school with, even those we hang about in when we pursue our passions. We need to introduce them to Jesus. So that gives us the question, when they look at us, when they see what stirs us and the passions that we have and the faith that we have, do they see Christ in us? Is this relationship we have with Christ something that we we hide and keep within? Or is it something that pours out of us? Now that's a challenging question. Because in reality we all fall very short in that area. And it is a challenge. But if we think back to what Paul said about his struggles and his sufferings in verse 29... It wasn't something that he did of himself. It wasn't something that he did of his own strength. He did it in the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Do we delight in what Christ is doing in our lives? Do we delight in what we can testify to what he has done in us? Because if we do, 
maybe sometimes we need to stop trying so hard. We need to stop trying to do this or do this or be this. And maybe just allow the Christ that's in us to shine from us. Because we can't underestimate the power that Christ working through us and in us can have on those around us. In church, do we delight in others? Do we let the Christ in us pour out first and foremost to our brothers and sisters in Christ? Because in chapter 2, verse 5, Paul tells him that that was a real source of strength and comfort to him. Because he had delight to see how firm your faith is in Christ. Paul rejoiced in seeing others living out their faith. He rejoiced in seeing Christ in others. He enjoyed seeing and rejoiced in seeing others being mature in Christ. We're all a work in progress. There's none of us can say that we're there yet. But that is our desire. That is our passion. That we can be presented mature in Christ. So that we can live out Christ in us to others. That they will get introduced to him. That they can get to know him. That they can become mature in Christ. This passage was a testimony of Paul sharing where he was at and what he had experienced. And it says it was the delight in living for Christ. Well, we can change that to our delight in living for Christ if we are in him, if we have taken that step of faith and trusted in him. It can be our delight to persevere in the power of Christ. The sacrifice that we're called to make for the gospel in obedience to God. Something that we do in his strength working in us and through us. It can be our delight to proclaim the mystery of Christ. How the treasures and riches of Christ in us is revealed. So that we can live by the power of the Holy Spirit. To share the truth of what we know to others so that we can know the delight to present others mature in Christ through Christ in us reaching and impacting the lives of one another and others to introduce people to the person who dwells within us who has saved us there's no bigger calling that we can have but there's also no greater hope that Christ gives and our delight in living for Christ. Let's just pray together.